Welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Jr. Jr., and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. What's up, Jay? Oh, just sitting here refreshing my FedEx tracking page every 10 minutes looking for my Father's Day gift. <laughs> you're, 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 what is it? Do you know what it is already? I do know what it is. Um, it's, it's one of those great big shop radios that uh, we can take to the beach um, when we go next month and and blast everybody in Tybee Island with some Foo Fighters and some Seether and maybe some Megadeth. Like, like a boombox? Yeah, but it's way bigger. I mean, it's it's a big... It's a... <laughs> it, 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 it's Bluetooth. It's got radio. It's It's like a big industrial size boom box because it's 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 waterproof uh you can get sand on it 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 can basically deal with like sawdust and that kind of stuff for guys in shops and so it's when we went to norris lake last week one of the uh one of the girls had it and i i fell in love with it and so that was the easy father's day gift for my wife to buy me can you please on your way out there be blasting that music while carrying it over your shoulder uh you know like straight 80s 90s style like this is what i'd like to see or is it too big even for that it's pretty i think i could do it it's 31 pounds um but i i I think i could hoist it on my shoulder (laughs) (laughs) oh man you know i don't want to talk about hamilton every episode jay i don't (laughs) But yet we we constantly have these nuggets that show up here that I I just am always I'm always just I don't know where else I'm supposed to go with it. I didn't know boom boxes were still a thing, much less are they getting heavier. Yes, it's gigantic. We did one time we took a boom box to Kings Island and it ended up being a it was junior skip day because they always sniffed out senior st- skip day. So we decided to have a junior skip day and uh, we had the <laughs> the run DMC blaring and we actually had like a break dance competition going on in front of the the uh, Eiffel Tower and uh, Kings Island security came and shut us down. Boy, you know what? On the next edition of Hear That Podcast, Ground, <laughs> we only talk about more details of that story. That's. <laughs> That's. I have so many more questions about that, but we have to move on. I sadly, I don't want to move on. I want more break dancing at Kings Island Junior Skip Day security guard issues. I want all of that, but uh, let's talk about. Regrettably, let's talk about Joe Burrow. Uh, so I want to get into sort of a um, a recap of the Bengals' Zoom off season and how they did how they took that to trying to crash course Joe Burrow in being starting quarterback. Um, My story on that is out today, Uh, sort of an inside behind the scenes look at all that and how it went down. Um, Also on the episode, you're going to hear some of my conversation with offense coordinator, Brian Callahan. Of course, if you, we had Brian on back after the draft talking a little bit about Burrow there and a lot of other things. If you wanted a full, uh, you know, you, you're familiar with him if you listen to the pod, but really good stuff on exactly what happened and, and what they are most impressed with going through these last couple of months with Burrow and their program and, and how that all went. They've, they've wrapped it basically at this point. I mean, they there's no more. They wrapped up the season. Guys are 
coaches are off on vacations and things like that and fully on the dead period until everybody comes back. Uh, when that's going to be is still obviously up in the air. I mean, the report date for training camp is still going to be late July, but I think there's thought, hope, potential for some sort of extended early acclimation period considering that these guys haven't been around. They're going to need more time just to get back into shape anyway um, and do some less intense, less contact uh, stuff with just having people back in the building. That's all got to be negotiated. But I think there's a chance we could see something like that on the run-up. Uh, but So when everybody shows up, we don't know what that will look like. We don't know. I'll expect more in that next couple of weeks. But for now, we do know what happened over the offseason. I thought it would be a good chance for us to hop into that. Um, the most interesting thing that came of this story to me were these virtual walkthroughs um, that they did. And essentially what it amounts to is this, and, and you'll hear some of this from from Brian um, explaining it, but <laughs> they get out the entire offense on a Zoom, and everybody is muted except for Joe Burrow and Trey Hopkins. And they have to – they everyone's looking at film, some play in front of them on their screens as well. And then Zach Taylor is on – a FaceTime call with Burrow, the other quarterbacks too, but on in this particular case, a FaceTime call with Joe Burrow and gives him the play call as if the speaker in his headset. And he then, along with Trey, have to relay all the protections, all the audibles, the play call, cadence, snap count, all that stuff till the snap goes off. And then at that point, they start you know, popping into a couple people that are also on the call. Tyler Boyd, what do you see here on this route? Or, uh, you know, C.J. Uzama, what are you looking to do? Or to have everybody talking, but mostly to have people hear Joe Burrow's voice, understand his cadence, his snap count, how we give him the leadership the of the of the entire group. And, you know, they came away extremely impressed with his handling of that, and not just that, but really everything with the entire playbook and. It's a pretty inventive way. I mean, you're, you're, everybody's had to be creative and make stuff up on the fly. And doing that, and they said they've been doing that almost pretty much every day. Uh, that, you know, they do four days a week, two hours a piece. Um, they've been doing that pretty much since that exercise for at least some portion of every day for almost a month now. And sounds like it's been uh, it's been fantastic, and it, that's that's what you got to do though. Right now, it's all you got. It's it's all you've gotten, and, and they think bro sort of passed it with flying colors. Yeah, when when I was reading your piece, which is awesome by the way, if if people haven't read it yet, go on the site and read it. Um, but two of the questions that came up in my mind from from that were one, I wonder if. Joe's mom or dad took any video of that whole thing going on because that that would that would be really fun and interesting to watch and it, just knowing how close that family is and how what a football family they are I bet they did um, obviously it's not something they want to get out because you're gonna you're gonna hear language and play calls and that kind of thing but it, it would it would be interesting to see somewhere way down the line um, the the other thing is you know you talked about four days a week uh, two hours a day. Um, I'm sure that's limited by the collective bargaining and in, in the NFLPA, but if a player wanted to, you know, would would they be open to after the the group session is over more 
sessions with with Joe just one on one or with with Zach and Brian and, and Dan and, and Joe because you mentioned in there where there there was times where he was he was asking questions and they're like we're we're not there yet you know he he's so he's like the smart kid in third grade who really should like young Sheldon he should be in high school at that point <laughs> and and he's he's way ahead and they're just trying to keep the the pace slow to let all the rookies work at the same pace and I just wonder if if maybe some of that was even going on where there was some one-on-one stuff where, where he was able to to work ahead at some point I I mean I I can't say that for sure I do know that I mean that this is all all this stuff and this time is all turned into um the league and it all is it's very much like the unionism there's only so much they can do I mean it's just like and theoretically, it's just like any after practice. I mean, where mm-hmm. uh, you can, yeah, the the practice is over. How long a guy hangs out at the facility and BSs with the coach is at their discretion. You can make a phone call on your own or whatever if you want to. But there's a lot of limits of on that because they don't want there to be pressure to do that or whatever. Um, but that, yeah, sure you can. And and I, who who knows how long uh, those conversations go for? The other thing that I talk, I actually I didn't really find a way to put this in there so i kind of kept it out but an interesting piece for for the pod listeners um was with i sort of asked could you could he set up his phone or whatever in his backyard or on a field somewhere or whatever and you know do dropbacks throw passes analyze footwork things like that run plays out yourself there through progressions throw into you know dummies or you know his buddies from Athens high or whatever and they said no uh because basically teams kind of had two choices to make uh they could either do stuff like that workouts where the the workout bonuses that you get and all the workout stuff would have to be videos that they do that they then hence gets turned into the league because all that had to be turned into mm-hmm. the league you either do it that way or you say no workout stuff like that. Only you just do all of your bonuses, all of your workout happens over Zoom. Well, there is liability in people being technically on the clock and doing workouts who knows where, on what field. We should learn about that if you're a Bengals fan. I mean, do you want Joe Burrow to go do his workouts at Welcome Stadium? I mean, it's like <laughs> probably not. It could be anywhere. Uh <laughs> Rotten, you really don't. Uh, but and, you know, that's my point: is these guys could be doing their workouts anywhere, and then you're on the hook. You would be liable as a franchise for that guy, whatever he's working, without being able to watch him, not knowing where he's at, not having control over the field. Fourteen years old, never cleaned. Uh, <laughs> was about to be cleaned. Uh, well, whatever, of course. Uh, it was about to be cleaned three days after that. Yeah, uh, but you know, neither here nor there. They're not bitter about it. So. Uh, but you end up in that situation where it's like most teams, I, I, the vast majority of teams chose that we'll just do the Zooms. We, you're not going to take on that kind of liability with all your players and not being able to really look at their workouts but still being on the hook for them. So um, they couldn't. And that's kind of interesting thing is, well, they, they can't really even do that stuff until they actually do get to the field. But the hope, really that's the, that's the thing that's left out there now is he didn't have to go through and sort of fail um, in front of all his teammates and while you try to figure it out, you know, sort of like Ryan Finley struggled in the off season, um, last year as he tried to figure out the system, whatever he struggled in season two, but you know, there, but because you're, you're trying to play while also trying to figure out what everything is. 
Joe Burrow will come in with an extreme knowledge of this system, proof that he can handle it and make all the play calls, and then just need to go out there and execute it. It's a really interesting case study because no one has ever really tried to crash course a quarterback almost in the inverse. Not that you aren't always trying to teach them, but they're out there on the field pretty much immediately upon being drafted, not really knowing how anything works and just learning as they go. How different will it look if you go out there and you learn everything first, you get a real handle of it first, you start being a leader first, and then you go out on the field? It's sort of like on a very smaller level, you know, when they sat Carson Palmer for a year, he, he when he actually does take the field, when he actually does lead the team, you're super confident in your ability to do it, and you've seen it happen, you've seen stuff play out. It, this is obviously different, but it's on a smaller level. There is kind of an interesting case study that of, of hey, maybe you should just have these guys uh, have a better feel for the system before you put them out there at all, even in a practice setting. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because the – you go out and you establish your leadership on the field in most cases. And, and from what it sounds like that, that Joe was making it clear that he was picking this up and he, he, he was, he had total understanding and even ownership of, of this system. And, and that's not lost on the players. They're, they're going to, everybody's in the same boat. You're working from home. You're kind of on the honor system with how much work you're putting in and how much study you're putting in. And, and you have to think that really resonates with the guys. They've heard so much about him. They all watched him play that incredible season at LSU, but now to see how far ahead he is and how fast he's picking this up and how much work he's putting in when, when no one's watching. Um, I do think that, he, he can already kind of establish that that leadership position even without stepping on the field with any of these guys yet. Yeah, and a lot of questions uh, I got last week during the mailbags, uh, which I ended up splitting. That mailbags ended up being almost 5,000 words, Jay. I really got to. I know. I, I, and, we did, and we did some questions that I just kept on the podcast. There were a lot of questions. There were, and I did one a no. few weeks earlier, and I had to split it into two I know. because there was so many. <laughs> you know what? And God bless you. You know, I, it's great to have people that have so many questions and are so interested. I'm, I'm happy that we can expound on all that stuff for you. But, um, you know, one of the questions I got a lot, and I didn't want to answer it because I did want to have this as part of the story, was people asking about why hasn't he started throwing yet? Why hasn't he done the – you know, you and the guys go and throw at a field somewhere. And that apparently it sounds like that is something that is in the works um, for after the 4th of July. So that they're, they're hoping to, to get together, AJ and Joe Burrow sort of leading that. But, we're, you know, we're seeing more as there's so much when we've got these these outbreaks and cases spiking in certain states. Some places are saying, hey, no. Uh, no group activity for any of these workouts. We've seen it happen in some of the facilities in the NFL. Obviously, MLB, these are they're getting shut down, all that stuff. So there's a lot of like everything will be for until the foreseeable future. Uh, a lot of what ifs and uncertainties over whether that happens, but it is in the works. It ha- is being discussed, and and there's expectations that uh, Burrow and the receivers will get together somewhere uh, after the fourth. But we'll see if that happens. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I really. Something that you mentioned and and was a big takeaway for me was how the the ownership over wanting to make the offense your own and 
understanding how you can take it and do the things you want to do off of what is in place and 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 really having the mind up to show that you're able to pull that off can i do this how about if i try to do that and then the the conversations they had about the things he liked most that he was doing at lsu let's do those uh let's ooh, we haven't done that before but i think we can try and do those or some of those might not work as well with our offense because of a b and c and them actually having the opportunity to really have those conversations and really talk talk it out without having to, you know, just set the script and make sure you're ready to go through the next practice the next day. It's able to really have conversations and a full understanding of what the offense should look like, how to execute it, and deep conversations about why you do everything that you do. And I think that is uh, real valuable and it shows where they're at. It's it's kind of that, that old school, new school disparity where, I mean, how many veteran coaches would – would be that receptive to, hey, what? Let's look at what you did at LSU and maybe make that part of our offense. It's it's almost kind of that my way or the highway type of mindset with the old school coaches. And I, I did that. It was one of the more interesting parts of, of your story that I found was that they were willing to to look at what Joe did at LSU and say this works in our offense. Like you said, some of them put them on the back burner. Maybe we'll visit them later. Um, these don't work. I just, I, I that's all part of I think the reason they hired Zach Taylor is is his progressive thinking and his willing to be innovative and creative. And um, I, I do think that that was something that, that maybe would not have happened under the, the previous regime here and may not happen at, at several places around the league with veteran coaches. Um, it's just kind of a new approach. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think everybody knew you, how there's no way you can draft Joe Burrow in the season he had and not be like, how can we bring some of that here? Yeah. And I think there's an assumption, but and we'll see how much of it actually does end up here. But the chance to really be able to hash those out and talk through them and 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 figure out ways to make them work inside of this offense, um, I think is really interesting. And so you know, we'll now we 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 go forward into that. I want to bring you Brian Callahan. He he will talk through a lot of the things that we just talked about, but you you'll you'll hear it from him and 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 his view of things and some other stuff on there too. Uh, focus on the offseason program and Joe Burrow, and then we'll come back and uh, we've got a few more items to get to. So here is uh, my conversation with Bengals offense coordinator Brian Callahan. What? Where did you want to start with doing? You know, teaching a quarterback through without being able to go on the field like what what was the primary what did you um, feel like the path of least resistance was well we, we wanted to we wanted to make sure and for all the positions but quarterback specifically is that we wanted to make sure uh we did everything we could to 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 start out just teaching and so that means like from the you know how simply is just how do you how what does our snap count sound like and what is uh what are our what are the formations and how do you line up like how do you line everybody up how do you put the ball in play like we start from from scratch and the good thing about that about this virtual period that we've had is we don't have the uh, urgency of being on the field so what we're teaching every day isn't going to be immediately turned around and, and thrown on a plate the next morning at practice next afternoon at practice. And that's a benefit in the teaching aspect because it allows us to slow down and really take our time uh, and really cover the details and really be able to drill down on things that you generally don't have time for uh, during the course of the OTAs. Because, you know, 
you, you got to get ready for practice and you got to yeah. go over the script and you got to make sure that, you know, so it, there, there, that pressure was kind of taken off. So for a young quarterback mentally to wrap his brain around all the things we want to do on offense from protections to the run game, to the run checks, to the, um, you know, to the, the operation of, of the two minute drill, to the red zone, to the, like all those things and all those plays and situations, uh, we had a chance to, to talk through and at a, at a pace and a rate which benefits a younger player. Yeah. And on the flip side of it, at some point, once we've, you know, once we had lots of time to talk about all these things, um, we watch a ton of tape. Uh, we do our best to, to the big, the biggest issue when teaching now without practice is that you never, most of these guys fit in some form of active learner. You know, they need the active rep of doing something to remember it. And so that's our ultimately was our biggest concern is you're never going to replace that. But how do you get close? And ultimately, you come with you try to um, quiz and test and create some sense of of urgency of of understanding and knowing information without you know, sitting around and talking about it. Cause yeah. you can always sit around and talk. There's a lot of guys that are really good in the meeting room, but then all of a sudden you got to go out and do it. And it happens at that moment and they're, they don't process as fast as they do when they sit there. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part about never being able to go practice is you don't get to do, you can't simulate that. Yeah. But we did everything we could to try to keep the urgency behind our guys as much as possible. Um, in the forms of, of, uh, testing, quizzing, worksheets to do stuff at home. You know, we get them on our. We you actually can do this pretty cool little feature on uh, this app. We use this app called Notability a lot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I use it all the time, and and so does Pitch. And you could like share the whiteboard, so now you can get some actual board work where you hey, draw this up and give me the progression and go through this. So uh, you you put it back on the player to be able to to give you the information. Uh, we try to make those guys teach back as much as we could. You know, hey, teach me about this play. What's teach me everything you can remember about this play, um, and then you try to get them on the, with the tape, and you go, all right, uh, here's you, you kind of start the forty second clock in a sense, and go, all right, here's the play, here's the yeah. look. Tell you know, like t- you try to push the urgency. So we slowed everything down to get everything taught, and then we try to pick it back up again to try, once you get a, a grasp and understanding of the of the system, and then we try to inject back in that urgency of all right now. This stuff happens fast, so gotta go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wait. When did you? When did you kind of flip the switch? Like, was it early on that you noticed? Okay, he's got this. Or were you? Or I don't know if you were waiting for that moment, or you remember kind of? No, there was no like. Uh, I mean, he's such. He's so smart, and he's got such a great feel for football that um, you know. And he was. He, he came. He, he was well coached. You know, they did a good job uh, at Ohio State and LSU. I mean, you can tell he has. He's gotten the right type of information over his career and you know on top of it he's a coach's kid so he's been hanging around football since he was a little kid and he's got such a feel for it so these things a lot of these things aren't new for him you know Mm -hmm. maybe the the translation and and how it hits his brain and the word of it is different but it's not new and he picks things up really quickly and he's he's got a analytical brain as far as he once he has command of it now he knows how to fit the pieces together so he can he goes, well, and what if I do this and this? Uh, this is in this situation. Great, I love that. That's what guys that have been playing for eight years do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
it's things, thing, the, the adjustments are so easy for him yeah. um, because he's got such a uh, great understanding of how everything, all, how the pieces of an offense fit together versus a defense. And so um, those things are really exciting. And so there was times where I'm sure he probably got bored, um, <laughs> you know, because it's just, it's just, it's just, there's, that's just how the guys like him are, you know, guys yeah. are they're really smart and understand they, they're, they're always kind of searching for the next level of information and, you know, but you also don't, on our end as, as teachers he's still a rookie yeah you know he still is a rookie and we still treated him like a rookie and we still taught like he's a rookie and and as conversations grew he got more command of it we would we could uh, entertain those things like sometimes he'd, he'd ask things early on and i'd say no we're not talking about that right now let's just let's get through what we need to get through here and we can revisit that later like you know we'll probably answer that question you have in a day or two days or three days because we're just not there yet. Yeah. I know you are. Yeah. But we're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, most quarterbacks don't get the chance to come in where before they ever do anything on the field, really, rookie quarterbacks really feel totally, really comfortable with the offense. Like, you are you have to go out there and make a bunch of mistakes and look like Ryan Finley did last offseason. Sure. You know, and where we, yeah. we, we, the story was all about how he was had to go out there and look bad because he was trying to figure out how it all worked. And... Whereas you know, Burrow's going to kind of come in with the no fail from the very beginning. I mean, who, who knows what it'll look like once camp starts? But that's a pretty big base to have before you ever have to throw a ball in front of your teammates. Yeah, I mean, you could you could liken it to uh, that's a great comparison with Ryan um, because Ryan's a really smart kid and played a lot of football. I had an understanding, and even in, even that learning curve and adjustment for him last year was significant. Yeah, and and it always is. You know, he he wasn't he, he wasn't uh, an anomaly. Like that's what it always looks like. Yeah, from the years that I've done it, and it just takes a second, and it usually takes a spring, and then by training camp they settle in. Um, the, the the unique part about this is now when we'll find out, we'll find out if it was good or bad. But um, that is the the benefit that Joe's had is that we've essentially um, just went to quarterback school with no rep, with with no. Uh, actual pressure to perform for six months or not yeah. six months we'll call it three months yeah um and there was and then you just get to digest it all and you get to take your time and, and go through it and go through it again that night and then in the morning hey i had a couple questions and hey can we go over this again can we do this again can we, what what if, what if this happened or what if this happened? And we we just had to have the we got these like lengthy conversations about a lot of things that you don't get the time to do that until they just come up and you're forced to do it yeah, um, and so we could work through all these. He could he could work his brain around how everything worked for us, yeah. and how he and how he could manipulate it and fit it and do all the things that he wants to do as as a quarterback. And um, you know, he's going to step on the field with an incredible amount of of knowledge of our offensive system. And you know, you hope, and because he's a smart kid, you hope that there's the mental part is the part that comes fast for him. And then now it's just going to be getting the feel for the players that he's playing with. Yeah. Um, which is a, so which it, is significant, but uh, you know, if you've got the system down and you can be accurate, like, you know, that's yeah. the, you know, the, <laughs> then everything moves exponentially faster at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and that's what we're, that's what we're hoping for. And I think yeah. that'll be the case, but it is, it's, it's really unique. I've, I've never got to, I mean, you know, like I said, two hours a day doesn't sound like a lot, but two hours a day is a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be on a meeting, you know. Yeah. Do you guys break them up, or do you do you do like an hour and then a break in an hour, or like something like that? A little bit, yeah. We'll, we'll try to little break a little bit. And then as we got moved into June, we started doing um, like walkthrough, like virtual walkthroughs. Yeah. And so, like, how does that work? Uh, it's actually good. I mean, it, 
it's actually kind of fun. We did, um, you know, so everybody's on the Zoom call, the whole offense, and uh, everybody but Trey Hopkins and Joe have their mics uh, muted. And, you know, we're just trying to, we just had to find ways because we needed him to communicate to the offense and, and him and Trey to communicate. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the best we could simulate without practicing. And this was one of the things we did. And I'm sure teams did a lot of this, but uh, what Zach would do is get the quarterbacks on a FaceTime call and they would put like an, an earbud uh, in their ear. Yeah. And Zach would mute his screen, but he was on the FaceTime call. Yeah. And then so Zach would call him a play like he would call it in a game. So they only they would hear the play call. And then they would, then Joe would call it out on the Zoom meeting mm-hmm. uh, to the offense. And we usually had walkthroughs. Like, so we'd have a script, and then we'd have the film that matched the script. And so they're all looking at film of, of whatever look it is that's on the play call. And that way it allowed Joe to call the play. He would be with the offense. They'd hear him talk. They'd hear a snap count. Um, they'd hear all the things. You, they'd, him and Trey would communicate about pre-snap. Uh, they'd hear him talk through... Uh, whatever the the criteria was for any checks or audibles or whatever the protection calls were, and him and Trey would him and Trey would have a dialogue about. Hey, Trey would start the point, and then Joe could, um, you know, Joe could trump it and change it and make it something else. And yeah, you know, just just to get that interaction was so important for a young quarterback to be in front of the unit. Yeah, um, and so that's we tried to seem like that as, as much as we could, and you know, and then and then we would you know kind of just call and goes, hey, what hey. Hey, TB, what, what's, you know, that's the play call, so what do you have here? Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about your route. Talk about your So we just try to get guys to talk um, as best we could because, you know, that's 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 one of the things we, we lacked was the ability to be together. And so that was the closest thing we could do. Uh, so that would be one of the things we would do. Every, we've done every day for the last, probably since, you know, end of May, early June. That's really cool. Uh, I, I just have this, I can't get past the vision of Joe Burrow in his basement, like, you know, giving out these calls. <laughs> and, just, you know, and his parents are upstairs, like, making lunch, like, ha-ha, you know. <laughs> that's, exactly what it was, that's exactly what it sounds like for them, I'm sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird world we're living in, but yeah. that's, that's what it was. And, um, you know, it was, it's, it's just um, there, there's no other way to, to to make guys communicate, and except for just to make them communicate, and that's the only avenue we had to do it. And uh, that's it, it ended up being pretty good. I mean, like I said, I think guys get by now, and thankfully we're ending. Um, yeah, you know, they they've gotten tired of the of the Zoom meetings. I mean, they're all worn out. On it. We all are. Yeah. Um, and they're ready for for real real football, and yeah. so. But but I think we got. I really do believe we got a lot out of these meetings. I think we got better um, because we had a chance to teach and teach a lot. Yeah. And and really and really take our time teaches teaching things to the players, um, both you know technique wise on all the positions, scheme wise, and then um, you get a chance to really look back and, and go, what what do we got that's, that's better? Yeah. I, I mean, I I know you guys hate to do the comp game, so I won't ask you to do a comp game. But what what stood out to you most about Joe through these all these meetings to you as you kind of like were trying to teach this and getting to know him a little bit? Um, I think that what makes what's made him, I think what made him so unique for uh, what he did in college, or, and then coming what he's done now is. Uh, He's just his his ability to see the big picture mm. and be able to diagnose and understand 
uh, a lot of level of football that not many young players do. And like I said, that's like I said, it's probably a little bit of a testament to how well he was coached in his career. Uh, you know, he went to two really big schools that that that, that do things right, um, and then he grew up around football, so it's it comes very natural to him. Yeah. Um, the understanding there, there's not a lot of things that are uh, confusing, and the things that that um, you know that he asks questions about are more about you know I see I see this look I know what we're looking for but what if I do this mm-hmm. uh, what if I hey can I do am I allowed to do this can I do? it's like yeah you I mean this is your offense man so yeah. <laughs> um, the, you know the thing and let's you know. Let's make sure we talk about all these things. I don't ever surprise. Don't just do something off the cuff. But um, let's have these conversations. And so um, that that's been the ability to take a concept that that takes some guys, you know, maybe a an off season to learn. It, it would take him a he knew the concept, and then he, and he was immediately thinking about what's the next level of things. You know, what what could I get to that's better than this? What if yeah. we get what if we get this coverage? I don't like this look here. What can I do? Well, here's your options. Yeah. Okay. Good. I got that. That makes sense. Like, it just his 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 processing of information and then applying it to the next level was was what was really impressive to me. Yeah. Um, and then his protection his protection acumen is is as good as you know for a young player his understanding of it uh, again without having to do it live and done it live yet but just his understanding. Um, and he's got a great command of it when he when he gets it and so. I think when you when you start asking guys, and, and from what I've read from the, what guys have said out there, is that you know it, he he comes in right away because he, he understands all of it, and he's got a ton of confidence and a ton of command. Uh, and I think those guys are immediately drawn to that. All right, great to hear from Brian. Thanks so much for the, it was the time talking to him. All the help he gave in, in helping us to understand how the offseason went with Joe Burrow. Uh, before we move forward, I do want to say everybody, but look, if, if you whether you're Joe Burrow and your tops in your business playing college football last year, or you're just Joe Schmo like me, all the best days start with a morning routine, whether it's waking up early, whatever it is, we can help you. Because with Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Do you know 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from headaches, energy slumps, poor focus, doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly in your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. It's backed by research. Formula is developed by the Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. Those are good scientists in Oxford. You know that? They're really good ones. Hydrant starts just buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. For 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash football. That's drinkhydrant.com slash football. For 25% off your first order, drinkhydrant.com slash football. All right. Uh, let's, Jay, one thing that you also did uh, last week was breaking down the best running back seasons in Bengals history, which I really enjoyed. I want to make sure we get to that. Before we do, though, you have a run passer boot, don't you? I, I do. Um, it, it involves Joe Burrow, and I, I went and looked at the the rookie records for certain stats, and I wanted to see you know which ones we would run passer boot that we think he can break this year. I, I, I used five categories, but I'm going to throw out the yards because Andrew Luck, 4,374. That's just 
it just seems insane that that Joe Burrow would would break that one. That would that would be an easy boot just because it's such a big number. And the same kind of with um, average or adjusted yards per attempt. Dak Prescott had 8.6 for that, and that's just a crazy high number for a rookie. So I'm going to go with with three other categories, and you let me know which one you would run, pass, or boot with. Um, The record for TD passes for a rookie, Baker Mayfield with 27. The record Mm -hmm. for interceptions by a rookie, Peyton Manning, 28. And the record for completion percentage by a rookie, Dak Prescott, 67.8. Okay. I will say this. Um, I am going to boot. I'm going to boot 28 interceptions. I don't. That's a lot of interceptions. And I don't. I just don't see that happening. Uh, I am going to run with completion percentage. I mean, if there's one thing that you took from Burrow's career at LSU or his time at LSU was the accuracy, the understanding of where to go, the high percentage play. And if there's, I think if there's anything you're going to see from him in his first year, maybe it's a little bit of gun-shy reluctance to really let it rip and maybe take the safer play a little bit more often just as you try to figure things out as you go, what you can and can't do as far as fitting throws in or whatever. So I I think he'll be a high percentage. I really do. So I'll say run with completion percentage. I will pass on TDs uh, and and I'll boot INTs. I don't, I don't, that's a lot of picks. I don't, I don't see him going Jameis uh, 30 for 30 (laughs) type stuff uh, with that. Even as a rookie, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I was the same way with the immediate boot on interceptions. That just, that seems like a lot. And, And, you know, Joe, he, he is accurate. Um, I, I do think he might be a little more conservative in, in trying to fit things into tight windows. Um, I'm flipping the other two. I'm going to run with the TD passes. 27, I mean, that's that's a lot for a rookie, but you're still talking about, what's that, 1.6 per game, 1.7 per game. I, I think that's in reach. Um, I'm going to pass on the completion percentage because he's still got John Ross as a target. I mean, he he can be as accurate as possible. But if you got guys that aren't catching it and dropping it, there's other things that come in play there. Um, we still have questions about this offensive line. How many times is he going to be throwing under duress? Uh, that just that that seems like a high number. Um, even though that number tends to tick up every single year, just with the way the the, the offenses are operating, um, I, I'll still pass on that one and and I'll run on I'll run with uh, breaking Baker's record of 27. I like that. I like the run passer boot though. That's a that's a good one to keep an eye on as we go forward. Um, you're right. I mean, if he could get it within, if he could cross, you know, we sort of, or if you, when you look at the how hard it is to really have, play high end in yards per attempt and efficiency. I mean, there's it, there's a very small chance of pulling of pulling off a you know plus eight yards per attempt. Um, that's a it's a big number. If you can get something up, and if you could get up in the the sevens and eights, I mean, you're uh, you're feeling great about what Joe Burrow has done in his rookie year. That is that is for sure. But you know there is there is no doubt there is going to be a uphill battle because you're trying to do this with without having the. We can talk all we want about maybe some of the advantage that you get uh, of the way they handled the off season and learning the system first, but. Not having all those practices and that chemistry with your teammates 
it, it does hurt. I mean, you still need that time so badly on the field. Their hope is that that will be, that chemistry will be really the biggest thing that they're trying to solve come whenever training camp starts. So um, we'll see. That that adjusted yards per attempt uh, with Dak at 8.6. Uh, RG3 was right behind him at 8.59. Number three on the all-time list is a, a former Bengal. Um, can you guess who that would be? On the all-time list? Hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, a former Bengal? Rookie. Rookie quarterback record or third place all-time for rookies with adjusted yards per attempt. I don't know. Would we go back to – would you go back to Kenny? Oh, further. Cook? Yeah, Greg Cook, 1969. Greg 8, Cook? 8.42. He only threw 197 passes, but, yeah, 8.42. Uh, and then right behind him on the list is Ben Roethlisberger, Dan, or Russell Wilson, Dan Marino. So it's some heady company there. Man, it goes to show the one of the ultimate what could have beens. Yes. Greg Cook, man. Uh that's 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 pretty wild to do that in that era. Um, speaking of looking back, you went back to f- find the best individual running back season in Bengals history, and I found it interesting. And people are going to think that I am on James Brooks's payroll, <laughs> but like I'm telling you, the more you really think about him and how ahead of his era he was, the more I'm like. Why have we never given more love to James Brooks in conversations for mythical ring of honors, Hall of Fame conversations? I mean the the sheer quantity and volume of incredible seasons from the running back position both receiving and rushing is astounding and it jumps off the page on your piece even more so than it did before. And really it's it's amazing because I in the piece I created a scoring system, and so I, I used um, eight stat categories. It was rushing yards, rushing TDs, receptions, receiving yards, receiving TDs, total scrimmage yards, and then yards per rush and yards per catch. And I looked, you know, it, it's hard to compare James Brooks of '86 with Corey Dillon of 2000 with Joe Mixon of 2018 because the game's just totally different. So I looked at where these guys ranked in the NFL rankings among running backs in that given season, and then I create, you know, you get so many points for being first or second, so many points for being top five, top ten, top fifteen, etc. If if I rank these guys only by that scoring system. James Brooks had the top two seasons in Bengal history, top three out of four, and the top four out of six. And uh, you know, obviously, I, 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 I use that as a guideline, not as a, as a strict framework. And you kind of work some other things into it. You know, did they lead him to the playoffs? Um, other, other factors came in. And I still came up with James Brooks having the, the top two seasons in Bengals history. That, that 86 season was was just unbelievable if you look at the the numbers yeah 1087 yards rushing that's that's not a big huge number he was eighth in the league that year but he led all nfl running backs in yards per carry and yards per reception 5.3 per carry 12.7 per reception he led the or he was third in scrimmage yards third in receiving yards 
eighth in receptions and fourth in receiving TDs. And he, he didn't rank in the top 15 in rushing touchdowns. And that was something I ran into James last summer. It was about this time. I think it was July last year, the celebrity softball game at the uh, Florence Free or the Florence Yaw Stadium. Um, a bunch of former Bengals were there. And I was kind of just talking to him, uh, setting up a future interview. And he, he started railing on the fact that the reason his touchdown numbers are so low is because every time they got inside the 20, they took him out or they gave the ball to Icky or they gave the ball to somebody else. He was convinced that, that Mike Brown was trying to, to manage his contract situation um, and keep down any incentives that might have been in there, that he, he just didn't get as many chances to, to score inside the red zone. And you look, a lot of his touchdowns came from outside the red zone on longer runs or longer catches. Um, I would love to go back and the the tools that we use, Sport Radar and Pro Football Reference, the the play by play data only goes back to '94. It would really be interesting to go back and see how much of that is James, you know, just being bitter or misremembering, or, or how many carries he actually got inside the 20 yard line, and how much better his numbers could have been, even though they are unbelievable as are. I also you're, you're there's no doubt and Jam, I mean just the sheer efficiency is is ridiculous I mean of him in that era and underappreciated because of the era also the Dylan 2000 season um you know where he's he's up here running for what do you end up with 1500 yards 1435 almost 1600 yes on the ground, yeah. Plus catching some balls, and almost sixteen hundred yards of total offense. Thirty-seven percent of the Bengals' offense to do that, and to have the two seventy-eight game and the two sixteen game, and an offense that had Achilles Smith a quarterback and was a total disaster passing. As you mentioned dead last in the league. They averaged one hundred twenty-one yards passing a game. <laughs> one hundred forty-four rushing. <laughs> it's unbelievable uh, to do that. And to have that kind of yardage and efficiency as well. I mean, this wasn't just a, you know, mass number of carries. It it probably, you feel like if you're looking at other factors, I could see moving that one up for other factors too, just because of how many boxes were set up to stop him. Well, here's the thing with that season. You, strictly using the the scoring system I came up with, it would have been the 14th best season in Bengals history. I moved it all the wow. way up. I moved it all the way up to six because of those other factors. And and people still in the comments thought it could have honestly been a couple notches even higher, just because the offense was so horrible. He was the only thing. I mean, they had no, no. I was gonna say I thought they had Pickens at that time, but Pickens was gone by then. But yeah, they they just he was it. He was their offense. I'm, I'm I wonder if I don't know how I could figure this out without doing it longhand but 37 percent of a team's offense for a running back I, I don't know if that's ever been matched you certainly don't want it to be no <laughs> if that's happening today you're not winning many games I can just tell you that much um all right well that's uh that's that I, I gotta say Jay you you have uh the the gold star skyline conversation from last week seemed to really resonate with people. They're not they're not <laughs> behind <please>. me. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, they they are not behind you. It it really went sideways a little bit on there uh, on the on the internet's for you. Not gonna lie, but you know that's when you when you have bad takes uh, on things in today's day and age, you're gonna get you're gonna get called out on them. I never understand why people get so upset about other people's taste in food. It's just because I like it doesn't mean you have to like it, and just because I like it doesn't mean I'm an idiot for liking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just I enjoyed it. I wanted to shout out everybody that decided to uh, angrily drop in their mentions and talk about it last week because that means you were listening to the end of the episode, and I appreciate those that stick around to the end of these episodes for some of the absurdity that goes on, particularly what has now evolved into an even bigger discussion in shirtless lawn mowing. Um, and I really do appreciate that we... I actually heard multiple people myself, my, my wife even heard from some people who who were talking about, man, it's re- that conversation really resonated with them as they were deciding on whether or not to pop the top off uh, while mowing the grass and should and if they should or not. And I think I've landed a fit. I've changed I, after really thinking more about it. And this is more for me. There's just very few places in life and times in life where I need to take my shirt off. And and, and I've, I'm going to say I'm saying an hour now and you probably need some pretty significant heat. You got to be mowing for at least an hour, in my opinion, to take a sh- to, to, to pop the top. I think otherwise it just feels unnecessary. Yeah. And the thing is, everybody has different layouts of their yard like i live on a i live on a corner so there's there's traffic going both ways whether i'm on the front yard the side yard or the backyard there's a lot of people driving by so that's there's vanity comes in a little bit there you're out Uh, there you're uh, showing it off oh absolutely and it's and it's it's not like (laughs) state route people passing through it's it's they're busy streets but they're most of them are people that live in the area And, and we've lived in that house since 1999 um so most people, not most, but a lot of people driving by know who I am. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't take it off as much as I used to. And then Saturday was, uh, there was extenuating circumstances because I was mowing earlier in the day and we were going to head to a pool party. And it's like, well, I'm going to have my shirt off swimming. I, I don't need that much sun. I, I, I can't take the shirt off and mow and then go to a pool party and have my shirt off all day. So, so I kept the shirt on, on Saturday. Do any people ever drive by when you have your shirt off and honk and say, I loved you at breakdancing 1987 from <laughs> Kings Island? Were you a breakdancer? No, I, I, I was open, not. I need to open this can of worms now. I can't even. I was not. And I was not I was not the one carrying the boom box either, but I was I was one of the planners and organizers of Junior Skip Day. <laughs> it's that's got to rank up there. If, if we were doing like a, a official power rankings of most J things ever, <laughs> it would be you being the planner and organizer of a junior skip day because too many people are on to the whole senior skip day thing. And you wanted to make sure you got it in like that really makes sense. And it end up with the, with some sort of uh, cops or security being involved. I mean, that's there. We obviously knew it was going to end that way. Yeah, it was. It, they weren't real cops. It was Kings Island rental cops. So, but they still, yeah, they shut us down. People were like throwing money out in the middle while the guys were breakdancing. The, there were some of the guys who were pretty good breakdancers. <laughs> Run DMC was pretty hot that summer. So, yeah, it was a good time. 
Oh, man. I'm telling you, shout out to our uh, co-worker, Justin Williams, who has long said, the life and times of Jay Morrison is a book that needs to be written <laughs> and sold and just watch it skyrocket rocket up to the top of the New York Times bestseller list because... I mean, this, this, I could do, you could write three chapters on this alone. The problem is so many of these stories are clouded in inebriance that there, there, it would, it would be hard to re recreate many of them. A lot of those memories are gone. Yes. Multiples. (laughs) I'm going to look up and see if we can give you an official word on inebriance, uh, if that exists. Uh, disinhibitance. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man i appreciate it all right well maybe ne- maybe next week we'll get more into uh we'll dive deeper into that story plus who knows what else uh coming up this week i i have a story coming on joe mixon and how the goalposts have changed on his contract extension and what that means um uh, a little deeper dive on that i'm excited to write about mascots this week it's mascot week here so i've got a good one uh, coming your way, you'll you'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, anything else you'd like to discuss, Jay? No, I'm anxious to see what your mascot story is. the The one from last December was so epic; uh, it's going to be hard yeah. for you to top. <laughs> That's true. That it, there, I can tell you that there is no mascot on little kid violence in this one. So that now it automatically makes it a level level below and not as exciting. However, uh, I do still think people will like it despite the lack of violence against children. Does it involve a jail mug? Oh, if only. Yeah, I know. That is an oral history of the time the Bearcat got, got arrested is also a story that is in my head that I thought about. Um, but we couldn't talk to that guy then, and we can't talk to him now. <laughs> so much. Uh, I'll never forget that the, he, was not, he was detained and not available for comment, uh, unfortunately, when he got arrested in 2010. Come up on the 10-year anniversary of that. Food for thought out there. Anybody who does want to try to make that happen, let me know if you can get a hold of that guy. I'm, I'm interested. Um, also, I mean, really, I, I think there have been stories revisiting it, but you know, when when Rufus beat up Brutus the Buckeye is also something Ooh, that yes. probably should be should be just taken. We should really just spend more time talking about that as one of the greatest things ever. A game I was actually at. Me too. Uh, yeah. Oh man, it was incredible. It was incredible. He just was pummeling Brutus. <laughs> and the fact that it was a kid who didn't even go to school there, and he'd been doing a long con for over a year to get into that Rufus costume just so he could do that. That's brilliant. God, it's, one of the, it's one of the greatest accomplishments in, in, in my lifetime. And he, he has not been shy to talk. That's a guy that should have been tra- tra- tracked down this week. You're right. Hey, there's still time. There is. The blitz goes all week, Jay. Get on the horn. Let's go. Uh, all that's coming and then we'll be back of course next week with more so uh, thanks to everybody for listening to hear that podcast ground and we'll talk to you next time have a good one everybody